0: and welcome to 7-Minute Explainers, your audio guide to everything you need to know about compelling and complex topics. I'm Lauren Hansen, and today I'd like to get to the bottom of Puerto Rico's vague legal status. Puerto Rico's history began in the 1500s. Spanish explorer Ponce de Leon established a settlement there in 1508, making it a Spanish colony. Puerto Rico lived under Spanish rule for nearly 400 years. It wasn't until the late 1890s that the island nation finally acquired voting rights and its own constitution. But just as Puerto Rico was gaining some semblance of autonomy, the Spanish-American War happened. The U.S. invaded Puerto Rico in 1898, and the Americans came in with grand promises to the locals. Come with us, they said, to the island's Spanish colonial descendants, former slaves, and indigenous people, and we'll give you freedom. Persuaded, many people sided with the Americans against Spanish rule. Spain ceded the island to the U.S., but with the war over, America changed its tune. The U.S. government didn't recognize the local parliament and instead set up a colonial administration. Governors were appointed by American presidents. Puerto Rico was effectively still just a colony, though on paper it was called a U.S. territory. The thing is, during the late 1800s and beyond, the United States was filled with territories and plenty of them became states. Oklahoma, for example, became a territory in 1890, and then a state in 1907. So why does Puerto Rico get the shaft? Why else? Racial reasons. Oklahoma was settled largely by English-speaking whites who were displaced by Native Americans. In 1901, the Supreme Court ruled that Puerto Rico and other territories, quote, inhabited by alien races, we were not ready to be governed by Anglo Saxon principles. Perhaps unsurprisingly, this is the same Supreme Court that had just five years before upheld state racial segregation laws for public facilities under the separate but equal doctrine in the Plessy versus Ferguson case. So Puerto Rico was declared an unincorporated territory, which is different from the Alaskan and Hawaiian incorporated territories. Basically, its path to statehood was effectively closed off. After World War II, when colonies around the world were gaining independence, Congress allowed Puerto Rico to write and adopt its own constitution with its own Bill of Rights. That constitution calls Puerto Rico a commonwealth, but the legal status of that term was never quite nailed down, leaving it and its residents in limbo. Technically, Puerto Ricans are U.S. citizens. That's thanks to a rather self-serving law imposed by the U.S. government in 1917 that allowed Puerto Ricans to serve in the army during World War I. But their citizenship doesn't offer them much. Puerto Ricans are eligible for U.S. public assistance programs, things like Head Start, Food Assistance, and Section 8 Housing. But Puerto Ricans have no voting representation in Congress, and they can't vote for a president unless they move to the mainland. And while they don't pay federal income taxes, they do pay something like $3 billion annually to the federal government in Medicare, Social Security, and other taxes. But Puerto Rico's biggest problem is that it can't fully control its own economy. During the first few decades as a U.S. territory, Puerto Rico was forced into a colonial structure of sugar plantations, which hurt the island's other local industries. In the 1970s and 80s, the territory benefited from U.S. tax exemptions, which encouraged pharmaceutical firms and other corporations to locate there. But when Congress started phasing those out in 1996, manufacturing quickly declined and the economy tanked. In response, the territory's elected leaders began making up the shortfall by issuing bonds, which investors snapped up because they're exempt from federal, state, and local taxes in all 50 states. But this just worsened the situation, creating a ballooning debt of more than 70 billion. That's nearly 100% of its total annual economic output. Puerto Rico was essentially bankrupt. Except worse, actually, because it can't seek bankruptcy protection. Technically, mainland states can't either, but U.S. cities can through Chapter 9 filings. Which, by the way, is exactly what Detroit did in 2013, allowing it to shrink and restructure its debt. But a quirk in the federal law means that Puerto Rico has no such recourse. And rather than fix the quirk, Congress passed a law in 2016 that created an oversight board that essentially stripped the island of any financial control while also imposing severe austerity. And then and Hurricane the Maria saying hit. The island is destroyed. Maria is the first Category 4 to hit there in nearly a century. As ABC News reported in September 2017, Hurricane Maria completely decimated Puerto Rico. More than a month later, the vast majority of the island's 3.4 million residents are still without electricity. 30% of the island still doesn't have access to drinking water, and thousands of businesses were destroyed beyond repair. Puerto Ricans with means are fleeing for the mainland, and residents are furious at what they see as a slow FEMA response, as well as President Trump's insinuation that they will have to pay back any aid they receive, unlike hurricane victims in Texas and Florida. Activists, meanwhile, are putting pressure on Congress to relax the rules that deny Puerto Rico the recourse a state would have in similar scenarios frankly, without significant aid to rebuild the island's infrastructure, reduce its debt, and revive its economy, there will be a mass exodus. And that does it for this episode of 7-Minute Explainers. Look out for new episodes every Thursday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen for more from this series, head on over to theweek.com slash podcast, where you'll also find our 7-Minute Opinions and This Week I Learn series. I'm Lauren Hansen and thank you so much for listening.